Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutra is here, really excited about today's show. And I'm really happy to have J.K. Woodward on the show to uh, talk about his free comic book day issue coming out Saturday from IDW. It is uh, a next generation issue. Um, it looks, it's a mirror universe issue as well, or I should say, well, the issue is, and also the upcoming five issue miniseries, but it is uh, Picard's story uh, of uh, his mirror universe exploits. It is its own canon. It isn't following uh, any of the paperbacks or, you know, whatever, uh, Apocrypha, as they like to say, the uh, non-canon stuff that has come before, so it's its own thing, and uh, that opens up a lot of questions. And J.K. gives us some answers. Uh, also, don't forget, um, he is the co-host of uh, Go Trek Yourself, the the very funny podcast that uh, he and uh, Daryl Taylor do together on uh, Daryl Taylor's network of podcasts. He's got about 78 podcasts these days. And uh, I, uh, I, we talk about that, but it just gives us an excuse to talk about what we uh, our, our anticipation for the Star Trek Discovery show, um, other weird little things. I even throw out a little story idea that's been percolating in my fan fiction mind regarding Star Trek. So if you like Star Trek, you're going to love this conversation with J.K. Woodward on today's Word Balloon. It's brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where uh, some great deals are happening right now on uh, books like... Um, all-new Wolverine. Isn't that Tom Taylor's uh, fine thing? Yes, it is. It's X-23 uh, carrying on the Wolverine mantle. The book is 42% off. It's just $10.43. You can get the Tarzan Planet of the Apes crossover from uh, Dark Horse and Dynamite featuring David Walker and Tim Seeley doing the writing. 42% off, $11.59. Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman Year One. Uh, this is Volume 2, and is that uh, Greg and Nicola, or is it Greg and uh, Liam Sharp? It's Greg and Nicola. Uh, this is uh, 42% off, and it's $9.85. Of course, uh, they are moving on to Black Magic, getting back to their independent book, uh, which I'm sure you can find it at StockTrades.com as well. Just a couple of the great deals happening now. Check them out for yourself. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Before we get to uh, J.K. Woodward's uh, conversation, I wanted to make you aware of a friend's Kickstarter campaign, my buddy James Oliva. A couple of years ago, I made a documentary narrating for uh, James, and uh, he is an aspiring comic book writer and has a uh, new uh, digital comic that uh, he is looking for backing on, and it's called Red Sunrise, A Digital Comics Horror Experience. Vampires rule feudal Japan, a samurai, samurai seeking redemption, stands in their way in the ultimate battle of honor versus terror. Uh, you can find out more if you go to his Kickstarter campaign for Red Sunrise, A Digital Comics Horror Experience, from James Oliva. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation with J.K. Woodward. He does such great work on... Uh, you know, previous Star Trek arcs and is always a consummate Star Trek cover artist. The way he gets the uh, likenesses is incredible. He's doing interiors again. 
Uh, it all starts with this free comic book day issue that comes out in just a couple days. But uh, let's talk about uh, the, the miniseries and a lot of Star Trek talk with J.K. Woodward now on Word Balloon. Very happy. This guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I got a free comic book day coming up. Let's let's do a talk. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> it's A, it's J.K. Woodward, and B, he's, uh, he's doing a very cool free comic book day with IDW regarding uh, Star Trek, specifically The Next Generation. But we're going to get into it with uh, J.K. because it's uh, definitely a different spin on uh, the TNG. But uh, welcome back, dude. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you, you were the first person I thought of uh, when we were doing this because uh, we had so much fun talking track last time I was on. Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime. And also, you yourself with uh, fine comic podcaster Daryl Taylor. You guys do several shows together, but you do uh, – and feel free to list them off, but I know among them is a Star Trek show. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we used to do a show that was an interview show called um, uh, JK's Happy Hour. And it was basically we uh, we'd get drunk and interview comic professionals. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we we stopped doing that because, uh, um, you know, just the you know how it is, you know, booking people and and, and getting an interview show is hard. Yeah. And getting three people together on one schedule. Yeah. No. Hey, man, that's why when uh, teams are like, hey, let's do something together. I'm like, uh, well, that's nice in theory. Yep. <laughs> you know, but like, can we all make the stars align for all three of us to be on? And also. I don't know how you felt about having doing interviews with a co-host. I always feel like sometimes we might be on a connection, host and guest, on a topic. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, you want to be fair and to get your co-host in too. But all of a sudden, it's like, and by the way, I'm a serial killer and I killed ten people. And it's like, <laughs> and you're ready to talk about that. And it's all of a sudden your co-host. And I'm not saying this about Daryl, but just so what's your favorite color? And it's yeah. like, oh, well, wait, no, man, serial killer <laughs> stuff. Let's get back to that. <laughs> We, we did actually have a lot of that. Um, also, like one one of us or the other would go on uh, a long tangent, and the other one would just sit there and get bored because you, you know sure. once once you get on a tangent, you you make that connection. You don't want to interrupt it. So yeah. somebody's always like kind of leading it. it. It never it never worked out perfectly, but we always had fun with it regardless. Oh sure, no, and it, it but it is it's truly hard to to coordinate. I mean that's why oh, yeah. you know TV and uh, radio uh, in those cases I think are lucky because they're really only going for you know three to ten minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind yeah. of, all right, you got to get in with your question, let the other guy talk or whatever. So, but anyway, yep. back to the book itself. So wait, uh, you didn't mention your, um, oh yes, we, so we started podcast. a new one uh, and it's also me and Daryl and it's called go track yourself. <laughs> uh, and it's obviously, it's a Star Trek, uh, uh, <laughs> podcast, but what we do is, um, we talk, it's, it's, we're basically going to go through the new show when it comes on. Good. But what we do in the meantime is uh, every other week we talk about uh, – we catch up on any news we heard about the upcoming show and use that as a sort of springboard to talk about Trek in general. So in other words, if there was a casting announcement for the – for the you know, whoever's going to play the Ensign or something, sure. then we, we have a conversation about who's our favorite Ensign from you know, Star Trek history and why. Oh, good. Sure. You know, so, so that's what we're doing right now. But when the show comes on, we're going we're gonna to actually talk uh, about the show and, and again – put it in context with uh, the whole Star Trek universe for the last 50 years. Excellent. And I'm sure you talk about your own as much as you can, your IDW projects with, uh, with Trek as they come up. How many issues? Cause, and, and you can even break it down either by story arc or, or by specific issues. But yeah, I'm always, I just asked that of Slot, and obviously Dan Slot, and he's, you know, in, he's closing in on 200 Spider-Man issues. Well, sure, he's a writer. <laughs> well, I know. And it, dude, he was the first one to say that. He's like, yeah, I'm the kind of jerk that goes, 
and 10,000 fighters come over the hill. Send. <laughs> and then the poor artist has got to sit with that for, you know, the week or, or so to, <laughs> to draw all that shit. So, no, I understand. But, yeah, like how many issues of, of Trek have you drawn? Uh, I, I would say roughly uh, nowhere near 200. <laughs> no, I understand. But I, I started uh, – I've, I've never done anything ongoing. So I, I, I guess I started back in uh, 2007 or 2008, right after the run with Fallen Angel stopped. Okay. Yes, you're creating uh-huh. a book with Peter David. Go on. Yep. Um, and I, I guess I was doing single issues. You know, remember the captain's logs and the alien spotlights, oh, yes. you know, sure, the sure. one shots. Yeah. So I, I think I did probably about 10 of those. Okay. Um, and then I did a 12-issue miniseries, the Doctor Who crossover. So let's say, 22. let's bring that up to 22 there. Uh, then I did the uh, City on the Edge of Forever, which was five, so 27. And then with these fives, it'll be, uh, I guess, about 32. That's awesome, man. That's <laughs> great. Well, and also, we forgot one, right? The, or, or was it just um, pinups that you did, but Star Trek Planet of the Apes, right? Oh yes. Oh, if we're not Those counting covers. covers, that's true. Yeah, well, I, only I, covers. I do. Yes. I do like five. Co- yeah, I do about five covers a month for for Star Trek, and that's really where, where you want to be if you're a painter. Is you want to be a cover artist. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But man. as no, far no. as sequ- but as far as sequentials, um, yeah, I guess about th- uh, thirty two issues. Okay, the, you know, and seriously, um, we we were talking about it as we were getting ready to record and stuff. Honestly, I can I can truly appreciate the difficulty. Of fully painting interiors, that's that's got to be hard. And and obviously, you know, every every artist has a really, you know, it's tough to make that thirty day mo- you know deadline every time. But yeah, to be back on monthlies and stuff, I I can appreciate uh, the level of work involved, or at least as much as I can as a layman. Well, you know, I I do um, you know on Instagram and so I, I do share like sped up videos. And even the sped up videos, if you look how long I spend on a face, <laughs> you know, just just the painting part. Um, it really adds up. I, I think the like the average page is, is about thirty hours, and there's no wow. getting past that. There's wow. no there's no trimming that. It just so so like if you have to do a monthly schedule, you just got to cut into your sleep time, and, and you have no social life until the until the book is done. And this is why I do miniseries because <laughs> you know? sure. I could not sustain that schedule for a whole year. I mean, it would just be ridiculous. What would be the point? You know? No, I so, understand. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. You can take anything for about five or six months, you know, as long as you know, like you get you get some time off coming, you know, you get that light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. But. No, I totally understand that. And truly, and you know this because we've said this before, and also the fans know it too. You you really nail these um, faces. I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. great. It really, it, it's as close as we're going to get to see these crazy crossovers that will never happen, like Doctor Who and, and Star Trek together. And, you know, to see all these actors, you know, frozen in time uh, appropriately as well, you know, kinda, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm sure you saw it too, the, the GoFundMe or whatever kick, you know, Kickstarter or crowdfunder campaign for the DS9 documentary. Yes. And, and you get, you get yes. so used to, and I, you go to the cons, so you see these people in person more mm-hmm. than I do, but you do get used to seeing the reruns. And again, they all look great, but it is 20 years later. Yeah, you forget it's been twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you forget that. Yeah, and, and you see them, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a different person now. I forgot because yeah, you you think of them as as existing the way they did twenty years ago. Now, yes, yeah, and I mean again, they do. They're they're all they're all very healthy, and I'm glad. And you know, God, yeah. I know there was like a health scare with Avery Brooks last year. Yeah, I mean, I heard Sirik Lofton. I don't even know what the specifics were, but I, I saw him. I think on one of the Vegas panels, kind of break down and really concerned and everything. And it seems like he's doing better. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, so that's good. I hope but, so. Yeah, me too. Because it sounded like um, Iris Stephen Bear when he was talking about the documentary and stuff. If there were any health problems with Cisco or Ed Brooks, and I think Brooks has since done a couple of conventions. I think he did a London show or something like that uh, well, within the last year or so. I don't know, but I hope he's doing better. Regardless, yeah, yeah, All right. you and me both. Oh, there you go. Well, moving on. Now we'll we'll talk about uh, the new miniseries in hand. Again, starting on Free Comic Book Day, just a couple days away, and we got a tease because we we go. Is that your cover, or is that somebody else's cover? Uh it's 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 likely mine. Is it the the one with card in the chair? Yes, with data behind him. Yeah, looking very subtle. Yeah. He's got a beard, so that's always a dead giveaway of uh, the subject matter. Your universe, you either add a scar, a beard, or some kind of an eye patch type thing. <laughs> and so, of course, they all work out. So, can I ask? And again, I don't want any spoilers. Um, in the context of the mirror universe, because not only uh, explored in the original series, but a lot in DS9, and you can't help right. but think that you know Worf is uh, leading the Empire or whatever the hell uh, is the, the governing body right now in the, in the mirror universe. Then um, is this story uh, in you know past those DS9 stories, or is it uh, prior to that, or is that giving you too much away to even ask that question? No, no, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can do this. Um, yeah, it, it's well. See what we're doing here because there were novels with uh, TNG Mirror Universe. Yeah, yeah, rattle them off. Uh, but then DS Nine came out with their with their um, you know uh, devastated Terran Empire, yes. you know, uh, and it just didn't kind of fit. So what we're doing is we're we're kind of smoothing over that continuity and we're telling a story that takes place before DS Nine. Um, in fact, it starts with the Stargazer. And it's the story of Picard getting the Enterprise and how he does it. Oh, that's great. Oh, oh very yeah. cool. So if the Stargazer's there, then likely we'll, uh, we might see Jack Crusher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say too much. I'm not going to say too much. I, w- I will say this. The free comic book day, uh, the, the free comic book day uh, issue is a, is a 12-page story that's going to introduce you to this world. Okay. Uh, and um, and it's, a, it's a complete story. You know, beginning, middle, and end, uh, and it will take place on the Stargazer, and you'll see some familiar faces, and you'll see some faces of people that you've uh, only heard about before. Okay, that's fantastic, man. That's great. Um, you know, oh, and I, it's a first-person narrative, which is good. Oh, great! I, I, can, give, I can give this away. It's Barclay, because so it's 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 we're we're seeing the Stargazer through the eyes of Barclay, who's uh, you know um, head of engineering. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Barkley was head of engineering in this, on the Stargazer in this. Uh, it's pre. It's pre Geordi. Yeah. He might. Um. Actually, no. He's he's not the head of engineering. I think he's like second. Okay. So high up though. Yeah. But we don't really discuss it, but he's the the idea is pretty high up. Okay. And that's he's cool, his way up, and he's ambitious. Huh. That's <laughs> ambitious, Barkley. How dangerous can that be? That's fantastic. Yeah. He, and he's he, he, he's still not uh, not skilled socially, but more in a sociopathic way, I think. <laughs> Well, you know, you got there's always a fork in the road. Exactly, you can just be, you know, <laughs> biting your fingernails or be a serial killer. So that's good. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's great, man. And again, that is the fun of the mirror universe: the surprises and the turns. Oh yes, of yeah. And everything. Well, it's, yeah. it's always interesting to see familiar characters in in a new light, or in this case, a new shadow. Uh, and then that's that's really what I enjoyed about the mirror universe right from the beginning when I saw you know Spock with the goatee, you know, when I was a little kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like wow. No question. Uhura, uh, bare midriff and everything, rocking her bod. It's like, hey, man, all right. Nice. <laughs> you know, the thing, about, the thing about the Mirror Universe, too, is it, it, um, 
it gives you a chance as a Star Trek fan to be a little sacrilegious. Totally. (laughs) You know, you do all those things that Star Trek is not supposed to do. You know, it gets a little more violent. It gets a little more, uh, maybe a little less cerebral. It's definitely darker. And there's no values to get in the way of these characters. Not all of them, anyways. Absolutely. Um, So you can have them do things that they normally wouldn't do. And it's okay because we're looking at the negative here. So the the darker we go with this, the brighter the the original. Very true. No, I like that. That's great. You know, honestly, every iteration of the the Mirror Universe on all the TV shows – and really, most of the novels and comics I've read, everyone pretty much nails it. I loved in Shatner's novels uh, the whole idea of Tiberius. Yes. And, and that was cool. Do you watch those uh, fan television shows that are on uh, YouTube and the like, like Star Trek Continues and that? Yes, actually, yes. The, Continues was the one with uh, where Lou Ferrigno played the Orion, right? Yes, that- I forgot about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Got uh, from uh, from Buck Rogers, and now I'm blanking. Aaron Gray played an admiral yep. in one, um, and, they, and they brought uh, they did a sequel to the Apollo episode. Yes, well, uh, you know, and yeah. now I get confused because there's there's two different ones. There's Star Trek Phase Four or where like the fourth season or New Voyages, and then yes. there's Star Trek Continues. Continues, and, yeah, and yeah, there's several others, obviously too. And, I, and I, yeah, I always mix them up. <laughs> but no, no problem. But you're right, and I mean, first of all. The way they're able to, whether it's lens filters or whatever, God, they get it to look so close to the original series as far as interiors and their special effects are really good. And, I mean, to me, honestly, and for people who maybe – I know I've raved about this before with guys like Rob Meyer Burnett uh, who worked on uh, Star Trek Axanar and, of course, made Free Enterprise. Um, It's almost like watching uh, a good, like, college drama production. And yeah. I mean that in the best, like, uh, way in terms of, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's not perfect. And, you know, these aren't regular actors that, you know, have, have made their bones and kind of reached this point in their career, as will the Star Trek uh, Discovery cast when we see them. But they're really good. You know, uh, I appreciate the effort they're, and the acting yeah. is good. Yeah, and, and it's actually um, on, on a lot of them, it's good enough that you, you, you start to buy it halfway through the episode. You just forget that you're not watching yeah. Uh, you know, regular Star Trek. I mean, it, it works. Totally. No, you get yeah. invested. You do. You get invested in the stories, and they write really good stories. No, the, the Apollo yeah. story was very properly Trek feeling, and it was. And they got the same actor back, right? Isn't that great? Liam. Yes. Yeah, that was God, awesome. Like, like, literally 50 years later. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love when they do that. Um, but yeah, they did. They did. Um, Star Trek Continues one. Vic, and I forget Vic's last name, but he's the like producer, and he plays Kirk. And he's incredible, Kirk. He they yeah. did a sequel to uh, the the original Mirror Mirror, and kind yes. of what happens after the transporter, you know, switches back the crews, and yep. you know, yeah, an evil Kirk comes back and has to deal mm-hmm. with a Spock that is now thinking about revolution, and it's it's terrific. It's oh, yeah, fantastic. It was great. Yeah. So yeah, man. No, yeah, good. I'm glad you've seen it as well. And also, I don't. And I'm assuming because you know, obviously, Paramount has put out these new fan film rules um mm-hmm. it seems like star trek continues is still doing their own thing and doing um uh hour length episodes and stuff and it's you know i mean they've they've released two since these new rules have been kind of announced so i don't know what kind of you know agreement they they reached well, with paramount but i'm glad they're still doing it yeah absolutely um i have a i have a theory about those rules and 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 i think um you know, and I don't. I'm, this isn't any inside information. I don't know this for a fact because we never talk, I never talked to uh, John at CBS about this or anything. Okay. But 
But my, my theory about that rule was it was about one person in particular and they wanted to just put out these rules to protect themselves. And I never got the feeling they were going to strictly enforce all of them. They just wanted to have them there to use if they needed to. I guess, um, and I understand. Yeah, it, it, it looks like it was just uh, – it, it seemed more like it was the lawyers saying, you guys better do this than yeah. anything else. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping and, – and obviously Star Trek continues is still out there. So uh, it, it looks like it's not going to affect it as much as people might have originally thought. Well, and I've heard – I've heard cool producers talking about new things they're doing, and they're kind of adhering to the new rules. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be it will be interesting to see if anyone else tries to buck that new rule and everything. And it, you know, mostly it comes down to you know uh, you can only do uh, a maximum of, of maybe a half hour or whatever, whether it's in two parts or, or one whole thing, one whole story. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I honestly I love them. I think it's very obvious. You know, which are the Fakes and which are, you know, are the fan films and which I shouldn't call them fakes and which are the real Paramount productions. But I understand sure. it. you're right. It is probably mo- mostly legal stuff. And John, the guy, and I forget his last name, uh, who is at CBS and kind of the the keeper of uh, Star Trek and certainly the spokesman from the legal side. Seems like oh yeah, Van Sitters. Guy. You're talking about Van Sitters. Uh, John Van Sitters. Thank you, John Van Sitters. Yeah, seems like a reasonable guy. I heard him on. The Engage official podcast. They should get you on there, man. Have you been on that yet? Uh, I was at uh, the convention for just a little twenty-minute thing, but I haven't been on like um, you know, like a Skype interview or anything yet. Okay, but yeah, that's probably something I should do, huh? Yeah, man. Oh hell yeah! Well, first of all, <laughs> hey, I, I, Jordan, and I don't know his last name. I know he's a, a big, uh, uh, yeah, big uh, movie critic, and I mean that in the best yep. way. Um, yeah. Hey, he does a fine job on the show. I do get like when I see the new episodes and it's we're talking to a psychiatrist about not really Star Trek, but just kind of sci-fi stuff. It's like, OK, man, come on. You got you got over 700 episodes and like I know f- at least 50 to 100 other podcasts out there that manage to have Star Trek talk every week or every two weeks. However, they want to release the episodes. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. And you clearly have access to cast and and uh, writers and things, you know, in a way that maybe other pods don't. It's like. All right, let's. Yeah, know. he definitely does. It seems. <laughs> so yeah, no. I, hey, what are you talking about, man? I saw you went. He went on the uh, Star Trek cruise, which would mm-hmm. be hilarious. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be that'd be fantastic, man. Do you see the poster I did for that? No. Oh, uh, I did. A, I guess everybody that went on the cruise got the poster. So you know, it's an autograph poster. So it's like the um, everybody who's there as a guest, their characters um, on a sort of a, a poster, uh, almost a movie poster looking thing, and there's a. Uh, the the exact uh, cruise ship they were on with with nacelles on it. And it was, it's, I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you the JPEG. Yeah, please so, do. No, we'll use yeah. it for the episode. That's great, man. Hilarious. I had a lot That's of fun great. with it, and it and it was it wasn't comic work. It was directly uh, you know it was CBS work. So um, it was something I could spend a lot of time on because I got more money for it. So I could just so I did some. Yeah, I, I had a great time with it, and they they actually invited me to go on the next cruise next year. So if I'm not doing if I can take the time, I'll definitely do it. Oh, JK, I like certainly hope so, man. That would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, you're like the James Bama of, of Star Trek right now. James Bama, <laughs> if, for, for people who don't know. I, and actually, it came, his name came up, uh, I'm pretty sure it came up with, uh, with Alex, Alex Ross, who I just had last month. Um, he's he's a, a tremendous uh, cover artist going back to the pulp era. And a lot of the great Doc Savage uh, paperback reprints had... James Bama covers and they're just so iconic and you know really Jock Savage yeah. at his most badass and stuff and you're you know I'm really glad that you're kind of becoming one of the go-to guys 
in terms of uh, Trek, you know, paintings and stuff. Because again, you you get these uh, faces so right, and you know uh, the you know that's that's the easy step. And then of course your imagination and what you design it always seems appropriate and and iconic. Again, I'm I'm still kicking myself that I didn't buy <laughs> pinups from you for the Star Trek Planet of the Apes stuff. I mean, Spock and the ape. You know, little jail, jail, jail cell, like that, or uh, <laughs> yeah, the, Nova, the, Nova uh, and Kirk on the wagon and stuff. It sounds like they're drinking, but you know what I mean, literally on a wagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the one you were describing was the uh, the cage throne, and it was a a, a Miko toy. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> you put the action figure and you, know, you put him in the throne. The cage drops down on him because there's no way to get out of that. You can't just kind of slide under it. Right. No, you're par- you're, you're really kind of paralyzed in the chair and everything. That's hilarious. I totally forgot that was a Mego toy. Oh my God. Yeah. But Art Balthazar has to have that. I'm sure he's got that in his collection. That's fantastic, man. God, Planet of the Apes Migos. See, I mean, that's literally, it's like, you know, oh, that's great. We get chocolate and pizza. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's like two great things, man, that I don't normally put together. And I'm not saying I put chocolate on my pizza, but it's like, oh my God, you can't lose. That's yeah. Planet of the Apes and Star Trek. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Those were fun covers. And, yeah, it, believe me, I asked for that the second I heard about it. <laughs> so this is – I mean, I, Go ahead. Yeah. I, I couldn't do the sequentials, but I was like, you've got to give me covers. you got to oh, give me covers for this because, you know, the, the first idea I had was a uh, um, uh, gorilla with a uh, batleth. <laughs> had nothing to do with the story, but they said, go ahead and do it for a cover. What the hell? <laughs> That's great, man. That's excellent. Oh, yeah, man, really. That would be very cool and all Klingon at Planet of the Ape War. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, where's there's, uh, where's Core? It would be glorious. <laughs> That's excellent, man. I can't I, – I, I, I want to be surprised. Uh, this story obviously will lend itself to, I'm sure, uh, unique encounters between familiar characters. And uh, that's, you know, what a great opportunity is, you know, we and I, I think do we just I don't I, I can't even remember now when I was saying about Dan Slott. I think I just said it on the record when, you know, how hard it is that, uh, you know, you, you get a, a difficult scene that might take some serious time and stuff. But it is so cool. So is it like, you know, half of you is like, oh, shit, I got to do this. But also, oh, my God, this is a great opportunity to do an iconic moment that is only oh. going to happen in comics. Absolutely. It's 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 love hate through the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing but love when it's done. But while you're doing it, you, you, there are some pages I'll read and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, because I'm working with the Tiptons again. Awesome. And I, I was going to ask. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, yeah the Tipton brothers. And, and we seem to always work together on all the, the big miniseries I've done. I've worked with them and they 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 will give you your money's worth because um, they like to they like to cram it all in as much as they can. So the. There's like a, a high panel counts that no splash pages almost on the free comic book day. There will be uh, there are some big panels, but there's no there's no like easy pages. OK, you know, Interesting. it's a really condensed storytelling. And like I, I uh, whenever I read their stories, I love it as a as a fan. I love it because you're really getting your money's worth um, totally. as an yes. artist. you got to work. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, you got to you got to work. Um, but you know, I, to, to be honest, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy, uh, you know, trying to, trying to fit it all in and, uh, make it all pretty. Um, and when it's done, of course, that's, you, you know, the harder you work, the better it feels when you, when, uh, when you get to, you know, the more pride you can take in it, I guess. Or maybe that's just my Boston work and working class values. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Oh, you should get satisfaction from your work, man. Whose yeah. whose image is was the hardest to master? Does it work that way even? No, there are certain faces that are harder than others. Um, because there's it's hard, especially with characters like I'll, I'll I'll start with Riker. That was the hardest one for me to learn. Um, because he's just so, you know, like it's hard to capture what makes him different, what makes him special, what makes him more than just Caucasian male thirties, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody like Picard, you know, that he's got, you got the shape of his head, you got that uh, distinctive nose, you know, there are, uh, those cheekbones, you know, you get, you have these things that, that say, wow, that's Picard data, the skin tone, the eyes. Um, there, there are these things that just kind of set characters apart. Riker was hard to find that. Because it was just a certain – he always had kind of laughing eyes most of the time. He kind of had to get that just right. But it was subtle. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything easy. I understand. Um, yeah, you're right. I think he, he acts a lot with his eyes. You see that in that yeah. episode where he's in the insane asylum and you see the yep. panic in his face. And, and uh, a few times too, like in the, the Tom Riker episode when Tom is still in, very much in love with uh, Deanna Troy and is like, hey, I never said goodbye. You know, yeah. and then you get that, you know, feeling as much as when he's like enjoying watching Data evolve or, uh, you know, or Worf being uncomfortable or something like that. And that's when you get the laughing eyes. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And that's probably his most um, distinctive Riker-esque quality is if you can get that right, you know. Uh, and, and of course, the uh, the squinty. He does the squinty a lot with his eyes. Yes. When he's thinking or looking angry or, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, how did you feel about that last episode of Enterprise? Because I understood from an Enterprise standpoint the frustration. But yeah. I can't deny it was, I mean, taking that away, and especially after a few years since it was released, I don't mind going back to it and watching Riker have fun with the crew and stuff. And, you know, again, it seems, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's weird, and I get it, where fans, and certainly any group of fans, can get very territorial about what they love. And I'm sure, sure they saw it as this great insult to the Enterprise cast to just be reduced to this hologram that Riker is, you know, kind of playing with while, <laughs> while he's figuring out what he's going to do about the Pegasus and all that stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still love Riker enough that, you know, it was fun watching him even play in oh, yeah. with his character. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say some positive things about it because I... <laughs> I feel like I'm at odds with the world when it comes to that. Uh, but I really enjoyed that. And no, it was not, definitely not an Enterprise episode, so I understand that that uh, that point that, that uh, people are making. But, you know, I really enjoyed that episode that it was – it was a prequel to an episode that we saw that I really enjoyed. And I, yeah. I forget the name of it, but – uh, it was good to get some kind of uh, insight on Riker. So I, I, I enjoyed Riker as a character, so I enjoyed that episode. I think it's called the Pegasus, literally. Yes, and, and it. it is. Yeah, it. it's you know, uh, and it's about the cloaking device that that was clearly illegal. And yes, yeah, yeah I, and and it is those kinds of like little Star Trek bits of you know continuity that are are yeah. really the best. Or like you know, they refer to the fact that you know Worf's parents died at uh, the Battle of Kid- Kittimer and everything. And uh, you know, you you just do get that kind of nice connection to Star Trek history, and that's why I think uh, it'll be f- fun to see whatever. Uh, Easter eggs uh, the boys put in uh, the Mirror Universe story for you in IDW. And I'll be putting in some too, some visual ones. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. If you leave, cool. me, leave me any room, I'm going to throw in some stuff in the background. So yeah, just look for them. I think what we'll do is when we collect this, we'll do the annotations like we did with City on the Edge of Forever where I point out all the Easter eggs 
Outstanding. Uh, where, where the Tipton brothers point out their Easter eggs and because I, I think that uh, those annotations, I think people really enjoyed those. Absolutely. And we did a lot of them in no, <laughs> City on great. the Edge of Forever. I'm glad you reminded people of that because I think that's another reason why to you know look around and uh, reorder that trade if, uh, mm-hmm. if people haven't. It's, is it only in the hardcover or is it in both versions? Uh, the City on the Edge of Forever one? The annotations, yeah. Yeah, it's just in the hardcover one. Okay, well, there it's you go. It's just in the hardcover one. Um, but I think Eagle Moss is, is doing something right now, which I was really excited about. They're collecting like pretty much Star Trek comics from all of history <laughs> into a hardcover sets. You know how the Eagle Moss does like every month you get a the starships. Yeah, the starships. They're yes. they're doing that with hardcovers. So uh, City on the Edge of Forever is also available in that. I think it's like the second one you get. Wow. Okay. So you yeah. so you're you're buying us. You're basically getting a special hardcover that they are producing. Yeah. And selling. Wow. That's yep. really so cool. They, so they, yeah, they, they obtained the rights to, to like everything from Marvel to DC to the goal, uh, was it Gold Key? Yeah, Gold yep. Key. Um, and to the current IDW stuff. Wow. Uh, and, and I think they do it by like they do it by themes, and they give you they add a lot of extras. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna try to get it for free. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna order it like a normal person, and because I think um, oh, and and the great thing is when you put all your books together on the shelf. The spines do a picture. Oh, that's fantastic! That's yeah. Great. Which I always, I'm a sucker for that. So it's oh, almost yeah. like having Star Trek comics set of encyclopedias or something. <laughs> <laughs> you see, now that I understand, and again, we're we're old enough that we can appreciate what the World Book Encyclopedia looked at like on a bookshelf and stuff. Always yeah, very right impressive. now. There's a millennial out there saying you he he mispronounced Wikipedia. Exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, you know Jason Wood from Eleven O'clock Comics and everything. Sure, yep. he he calls it shelf porn when <laughs> when there's like a ridiculously over tricked up uh, hardcover edition of something, and he's right. And I mean, it is. I like you know, you love the way it looks. You're very proud to you know uh, display it. And Eagle Moss, I uh, I haven't subscribed, but I totally took advantage last fall at New York Comic Con uh, the ability to buy separate starships and everything. And uh, I have uh, the Delta Flyer. The Defiant, nice, and, nice. Um, oh God, and I can't remember the name of it. And it's too far to reach, and it's uh, not worth the reach. But uh, it's from the Andy Dick episode, the the starship that he is on, where they send the Doctor through. Oh yes, the was... radio array. Yep. So oh I, I yeah, remember, but I always loved the about. design of that ship, and that's literally. I was mu- <laughs> rather than getting the iconic, obvious stuff. I'm like, I really like certain designs. I always loved the Delta Flyer design. That was one of the coolest things about yeah, cool. Voyager. Yeah. And same with the Defiant. The Defiant, they really... And I love the whole backstory, and I hope they cover that in uh, the documentary. But I love when Ira Bear is like, hey, we need a ship. <laughs> you know, and it's like, <laughs> what? And, 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 oh, and that reminds me, I wanted to ask you, and that's how they got the Defiant, was him kind of going to Rick Berman and saying, look, we need this, and this is why, or... For God's sake, it's been three seasons. Can you let Avery shave his head again and make him look like a badass? You know, does he have to look ridiculous like this? He hates it. And it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, let him grow the well, beard. I, I remember getting really excited when that season came, and that's when they brought Worf in, too. Yes. Right. I was four. like, wow. Okay, the show's taken off now. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, it, I mean, it, you know, I, I, and again, I, I, it's easier to watch those first couple seasons now. It reminds me of Babylon 5 in terms of, and not surprising, they were both coming out at the same time. But there was so much you needed to set up to understand how Bajor worked, how their religion worked, um, yeah. the relationship with uh, the Federation. 
the the uh, kind of uneasy truce with the Cardassians. So there was a lot to play out in those first couple seasons. But yeah, sure. once once they got Worf and, yeah. and and things kicked in with the Klingons, it was really really interesting. And Worf finally got written well in DS9. I didn't like him being the, the, the alien of the week punching bag on, on TNG, and that was often the case. Worf stolen. It was like, worst security ever. <laughs> but when we get him to Deep Space Nine, he's Klingon again, you know? Totally. No, I, I, I could see that. Now, I would, dis- I would slightly disagree, because I do think there were some really strong Worf episodes in Next Generation. I love Don't get one. me wrong. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love Worf, and I, but, but they did knock him around a little too much, I thought. Oh, yeah. No, and it's certainly earlier on. Well, I wanted to ask, have you read those 50-year mission audio, uh, uh, oral histories? Uh, no, I've not. They came out last summer, and uh-huh. um, they came out around the time of uh, Star Trek Beyond. And it really did cover all of, right, isn't it Beyond? Yes, I'm looking at it now. Uh, the last the last J.J. Abrams movie. Um it's an oral history, and uh, the first volume pretty much focuses on the original series and those and their movies. And the second book is all of the spinoffs. And um, is it on Audible yet? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, see, that's where I do most of my reading is while I'm working. I, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Well, it's going to distract you because really, some of the stories are very, very interesting behind the scenes, and. How uh, and, and going back to what we were talking about in terms of placing Easter eggs and stuff, man, they were so the handcuffs were on hard from Next Generation for a very long time until really unification the the episode where Nimoy shows up, uh, the mm-hmm. two parter, um, where it's like you know and I it really they started really uh, relaxing things when they did the Sarek episode, but yeah, there yeah. was really like no 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 this is in the future we do not you know we very obliquely refer to the old Enterprise and Kirk. Be very careful with that. We don't want stories that tie things together. Everything that a fan would love in terms yeah. of honoring the connections and the lineage and all of that, uh, they were very much like, no, this needs to be its own thing. And I can appreciate that from an originality standpoint and, and keeping ideas fresh because certainly yeah. uh, comic books can suffer from too much self-reference and things, and I, and I can appreciate that. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I also wonder um, if if – that hadn't been the case, as, as much as we may not like that, um, maybe uh, Next Generation wouldn't have taken off as its own thing. It would have been too too closely tied, you know? Maybe it's better it happened later uh, so we could just get to know these characters. Although, in the first season, they, they, they referenced the Enterprise right away, though. There was that episode, uh, the... the Naked I now. forget which one's which. The Naked Time is the original, and Naked Now was the pretty much a TNG remake. That's of, true. You know. No, you're right about that. I don't know, man. If, uh, again... When you when you hear the audiobooks and stuff, you'll 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 hear what I'm talking about. But yeah, because well, I they're great. I loved Chaos on the Bridge, so I think this will be <laughs> this yes. Will be and all right, I was going to ask, and I didn't know if we talked about yeah. that last time or not. But yes, I agree with you. Chaos on the Bridge is an excellent documentary. Oh yeah, Very I can't cool. wait. Yes, nine one. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and totally feel the same way. And um, yeah, that's why these the again fifty the fifty year mission is the book that I'm talking about. And uh, it is, you know, a regular book, and it is also an audio book. And someone was telling me, um, another another big comic book Trek fan, that they they heard the Audible version of it and stuff, and really liked it. But uh, yeah, I re- no, I put them both on my uh, on my Kindle, and uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't put them down. They were just excellent. So there's so many interesting stories behind the scenes. And I'm going to check that out. Cool. Definitely. So so I mean, obviously, I, I'm sure you're like me. You know, it's funny. I forget 
uh, it was probably either during Voyager or Enterprise when someone asked me, you know, I, I heard it's not as good as the others. You're, you're still watching it? I'm like, I would watch Star Trek Klingon Latrine if it was <laughs> That's how – I mean, I, and it, I remember whichever – if it was Voyager or Enterprise that was up against the West Wing, which is such a great show. And I'm a huge West Wing fan. Became one but didn't watch it when it was originally on. And my friend's like, oh, my God, you'd love this show. It's so great and the political – Back and forth and all. I'm like, yeah, but it's up against Star Trek, man. I can't miss Star Trek. Yeah, I, I, I you know exactly fell, in, fell in love with the uh, reruns. Well, I have vague memories in 1969 being four years old and my parents watching the original series uh, because I do remember seeing it that at, at that young of an age. But it was really the first, uh, you know, probably syndication uh, reruns of the original series that hooked me in. And that's why, I mean, I love Star Wars, but I, I got to say, if it's between Star Wars and Star Trek and I can only watch one, I'd always pick Star Trek. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'd fall into that, too. Yeah. Um, Star Trek, to me, is just, you know, the thing is, I enjoy Star Wars as, as movies. Sure. I don't really get into the peripheral material quite as much, the novels and, and, okay. and the, even the comics or anything. But I do with Star Trek, so Star Trek. Um, obviously, I, I prefer Star Trek if that's the case, and it, it as a result, it becomes a bigger world to me because I read all the peripheral. But I've been told that from Star Wars fans, that, you know, it, it's just as big a world in in um, the Star Wars universe. Oh, of course, you, uh, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, and and truly, everyone who's held the license, Marvel's doing a great job. Dark Horse did an exceptional job. I've heard job. good things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, they're great, honestly, and they got their their top writers, Jason Aaron, Karen Gillan. I mean. They have really, really great uh, writers working on this stuff, you know. And now I'm blanking and shame on me. Charles Soule is doing stuff. Um, uh-huh. They're yep. great. Yeah, Rucka did some things and uh, Mark Wade did some things, um, and great artists as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, um, as a kid too, I was reading those James Blish adaptations of the original series, the short stories. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever read any of those. James Blish is a great science fiction writer. Uh, on his, it's so interesting. They picked great. Hard sci-fi, or not not hard sci-fi, but you know, great sci-fi novelists and and uh, short story writers to do the uh, the adaptations of both the original series and even the animated series. Alan Dean Foster, great great sci-fi writer, mm-hmm. did all the animated adaptations. But yeah, he and James Blish, I was reading that stuff as it was coming out, and just you know, mind blown. I don't know if you ever read any of that old stuff. Yo, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's um... cool. Did you read uh, most recently? I'm trying to remember the the trilogy. Uh, Dayton Ward did the last one. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I don't know if I the I Legacy don't think Key. I did. Right. What was, was it? it about? Uh, it was the I think it was the, called the Legacy Key uh, trilogy. The no, it was actually I, almost sure. a year ago. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I. You know. Is that still Pocket Books or I forget who publishes those? Um, I don't know. I picked it up on my Audible. So uh, okay. I don't remember offhand, but basically, it's it's. Um, it's a, a device that's been um, hidden from uh, Starfleet by the captains, the previous captains of the Enterprise. And it's like a, a, a device that d- dimensionally shifts. It's just too powerful. And they kind of implied that it was the device in the mirror universe that Kirk had. Oh. Uh, you okay. know, to make people disappear. They don't yeah, actually yeah, disappear. The they go into this pocket the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but th- there's a trilogy about that, and it's um, – uh, what I really liked about it is it featured number one prominently as as a main protagonist, especially in the first novel. The original number and one. The, the, the original uh, number Captain one. Yeah, Pike's yeah. Number uh, one. 
she doesn't I was going to try to I forget her real name. She doesn't have one really. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She's yeah, just Major, number one. Yeah, Major Barrett's character from the Major, pilot, yes. uh, and then of course you know they replayed in the Menagerie. The Cage, the yep. Menagerie. Yes. Yep. Good stuff. No, you're right. Very cool. Yeah, you know I did buy. I don't know if I bought all three. I did buy the first one. I really do kind of cherry pick the the current yep. novels, and and they're I, I'm sure they're all mostly you know great. I mean obviously there's varying levels of quality sometimes, but I. Sure. Uh, I you know no the good ones are great and certainly like a guy like Peter David certainly knows what he's doing when he writes that stuff. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. you know I, among among some of the other writers. I always thought David Mack, who writes Star Trek novels, was comic book painter David Mack, but it's not. They're two different. Yeah, I know. I, I do the same thing. I was like, <laughs> he can write too. <laughs> and Keith DeCandio, and I'm, I'm I know I'm probably saying yep. his name wrong. I, I I I've worked with him, and I, I knew him when when I lived in New York. Um, oh, that's New cool. York friends for a while, but I still don't know. I still pronounce his name differently every time. Well, apologies, Keith. He never corrected me, so <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the show a couple of times uh, when he's had the Star Trek projects, and I love the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. Those those are great e-books as well. I don't know if they do audios of those, but they they're they're, they're great novellas. They're too yeah. long to be short stories and too short to be novels. I I worked with him on that uh, Alien Spotlight, the Klingon book. Oh, very the cool. Thousand Throats one. It was, it was Kang telling three stories from three different times in his life, and it was like divided into eight pages each story. Uh, and, and it was a single issue thing. And I just did three different art styles and, and just had so much fun with it because oh, wow. part of the story it was a story of um, a thousand years after Kalis, so it's kind of Klingon medieval times. And it, nothing at, at, that I know of has ever been done with that visually. So it was something I could build from the ground up. Had a lot of fun, and I just love I love working with Keith. I love his stuff. That's very cool. No, I'm a I you know those original uh, Klingon villains, uh, Kank, uh, Koloth, and uh, and Kor. And Kor, yeah, yeah, they're 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 fantastic. And Kor is my absolute favorite character. Not even just favorite Klingon. He's my favorite character. Kor is. Kor is, yeah. Oh, I can understand. God, they gave. I mean, that uh, that uh, DS9 episode. His final. I was going to say, (laughs) what a great send off. My God. I mean, oh. you know, and you forget how good of an actor John uh, Kolakos, or how, again, however you said his name, uh, yeah. he's no longer with us. But, you We're know, just going to butcher everybody's name in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's sad. Uh, the, uh, the, the uh, you know, his, his run as um, uh, Baltar in, uh, in, in, yes. Galactic, or in Galactica in was Bar- really fun. And yep. really to be, you know, to go from the original series to the couple episodes he did on DS9. As core, yeah, and to really show core, core mature, because you know even the little Easter. I mean, certainly also in in Blood Oath with uh, Dax, you got a little bit more of Kang and a little bit more of Koloth. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, ser- but clearly core was the one that really got so much focus and attention and uh, got a because he's story. the most Klingon of any Klingon I've ever seen. I mean, he's, he's... oh, that's interesting because I always felt Kang had a little more nobility. You know? Yeah. I, but, no, this is a good. I this it is depends a good on how you define cut. Klingon, because I, I I define them as sort of. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I guess Kang has that more of the samurai side, and 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 Kor has that um, anarchist biker side. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he's always he's, drunk. He's, he's always he's always overindulging in everything, from women to booze to good to violence. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. He's yeah, and I didn't even say too. That's funny. You went with biker. I would say more of like even a pirate. As well that he yeah, really enjoys, or Viking, you know, marauders. He, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He enjoys the battle. He enjoys the fun of the conflict and everything. And also, I loved how he was a little, uh, 
not racist, but class kind of oriented with, you know, oh, he was an elitist. Yes, an elitist. That's the perfect yeah, word. Exactly. He was an elitist, which, which he wouldn't have known because he's, he's such a, uh, um, a gregacious, friendly guy, you know. But right, it, and then you know, meanwhile, yeah. But Martok. while he's smiling at you, he's judging you as less than him. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why. Oh yeah, what do you have, Martok? Oh, screw Martok. Who the hell cares? He's a washerwoman. <laughs> I have to listen to this idiot, and it's like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Very interesting. But yeah, I liked. I love because even Kang in um, the uh, the original series with uh, Day of the Dove, I think, yeah. is what it was called. And that voice is chilling. I was so oh, yeah. I was so happy that they used him as Mister Freeze in the animated uh, Batman. Yeah, animated really chilling. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's very chilling. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, the guy he he's made a number of movies. He was the lead in a, a great TV western called Broken Arrow, where I believe he plays uh, Cochise. Uh, he's such a stoically impressive actor that you can't help but like look at him and listen to him. And that's why yeah. uh, I'm glad that they gave him a little bit more in Blood Oath to do. Uh, but it was a shame that he wasn't able to do more. I mean, I know he was in that. Voyager episode for 30 seconds with uh, Sulu in that flashback. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a big Kang fan. I think uh, he, yeah, there's just, there's a lot going on in that, under that brow. And yeah, you know, and it's like, and it's cool. And also, again, there's a little, a lot more honor. And, and that, that's where you really got that first glimpse of, no, they're not just, you know, the bad guys and stuff. There really are levels of respect that these guys have for each other. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, I you really thought I like? he was a, a thinking man's Klingon. And during yeah. the original series, and I kind of, I, I kind of liked. Um, it, it almost echoed the uh, Kirk Bones and Spock uh, trilogy when they brought them back together, because they weren't really together in the the original series. So when they did that in DS Nine, I kind of enjoyed their interaction because they were, they they shouldn't have gone together. They had that Bone Spock McCoy thing. Oh yeah, uh, Bone Spock uh, Kirk thing. You know, they, they they you had the 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 stoic dignity. You had the uh, rule obsessed <laughs> Koloth, you know, which was something I didn't get from uh, the original series, but I did kind of like that they did that. They made him sort of, sort of the polar opposite of of Core, which kind of gave it uh, mm-hmm. gave that humor. You know, he's he was almost Hank Hill. You know, the rules. <laughs> True. No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I really like that comparison to the Enterprise Trinity. I think that's great, yeah. and it's funny because I. When Strange New Worlds was coming out every year, the uh, the book of fan short, short stories, which a lot of them were really, really great and really blew my mind at how, how fun they were. Um, I always entertained the idea of doing a story of the three of uh, the Klingons uh, around a campfire, all telling war stories with Kirk after they learn that Kirk is dead because of the Enterprise B incident. And that's where I, w- I would have put it and had them like kind of around a fire. And just kind of oh. sharing war stories and stuff. And being like, you know, fine, fuck him, glad he's dead initially. Or at least it seems like that's what they're saying. And then they start, you know, passing stories around. And it's like, and yeah, but I got to admit, this incident, I had respect for him. And, and they all go around. And finally at the end, then they kind of toast him and say, you know, yeah, there's a place for him in Stovacor and all that. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I appreciate you that. have to do this. <laughs> Only if you draw it, dude. <laughs> I, I will at the very least do a cover for you. Oh man! Well, now now it's out there in Word Balloon, so somebody swipes it. I'll know who to sue. <laughs> no, no, I. You know, hey man, I uh, I have I have my ambitions when it comes to writing. I I, I would love, but I would not want to do it half-assed and and really sure. to ask an, an artist to come in on something like that. 
you know, I'll wait till my ship comes in and, you know, well, the I mean, thing, the thing is, asks me to do a story and has an artist ready for me, then I'll do. <laughs> well, here, here's what you do. And, and it'll increase your chances of getting more artists. Uh, you get different artists to do each story that they tell. Oh, that's good. Ooh, I like you get that. various artists and that way they can, they can commit to less pages and Ooh, no, that's I, very mean, good. But I really want to read this. So <laughs> you have to do this. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. That's very nice. And uh, no, you know, Hey, I, like I said, I am, I, I, and, and that's why we all, we all have our like fanfic, like kind of, Oh God, if, if there were time and if I could, well, you know, yeah. hey, I know Steve Scott from IDW listens to this, and I know, uh, and probably will, and hopefully Sarah will listen. How is it working with Sarah? You know, I had her on with Mike Johnson, and it was a yeah. lovely conversation. We had a bad uh, telephone connection, unfortunately, so it was a little staticky, but truly I love the content. I do want to have her back because, I, I, and honestly, I say this uh, completely as a fan. Um, I really love what IDW is doing with the license. I think they're doing an incredible job. But tell me what it's like to work with Sarah. Oh, great. Great. I, I enjoy working with Sarah. I think this is the first time I've, I've actually worked with her on sequentials. Okay. So, um, because I've always just worked with her on covers. And, and the City on the Edge of Forever, uh, Royale was taking over editorial duties because I think he had a relationship with, um, with, Harlan. with Harlan Ellison. So um, I think this is the first time I'm actually working in sequentials with her. And cool. it, it's been great. Good. It's been great. I, 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 I wouldn't complain if I had a little longer to do these things. but <laughs> I hear you, man. I don't know. I, I, we understand that. But I mean, this is the nature of the business we work in. So, um, no, she's she's been uh, she's always very pleasant. I know her personally. I like her. She has a sense of humor. She's a fun person to be around. Cool. Uh, nothing but good things to say about her. That's great, man. No, and it, clearly she loves the franchise. So uh, again, I, I well I got definitely a conversation yeah. with her, and, and she knows her stuff too. Uh, very obviously, so yeah. No, uh, she really kind of sold me on. Uh, is it well? No, Waypoint is the anthology. Yeah, and uh, Boldly Go right is uh, the. Uh, Ongoing post uh, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. No. She and Mike really did sell me on Boldly Go and the concept of it and everything. I'm like, oh, that. All right. I would read that. That's cool. Um, and Waypoint is a great idea as well. You know, honestly, I was hoping at the time before they announced Enterprise and and still even for this new Discovery series, I'm like, you know, I just think before they sold off all the costumes and the sets and everything as they did when they wrapped things up with Enterprise. Um, I was really hoping for a more of a Star Trek anthology show because I felt that the mythos was strong enough to merit, okay, this week we're telling a Klingon story. Next week we're going to tell a Ferengi story. Next week we'll tell a uh, Starfleet Academy story. Here's one that takes place on a different starship. You know, different things like, you know, just bounce around the, the galaxy. Oh, that would be great. Like yeah. different casts, you like... Are you saying, like, without a centralized cast, yes, just yeah, tell a story? Yeah, that would yeah. be great. And also yeah. an opportunity to say, hey, what's uh, O'Brien doing these days at the Academy? Let's do a story with, let's get Cole Meaty to do yeah. one and stuff. And I'm like, you know, because, again, much like Star Wars, uh, you know, at that point there were, like, 600 episodes of, you know, uh, of episodic Star Trek. It's like you got a big mythos to, like, kind of play around with. And, again, sure. I can appreciate, you know, probably that's cost prohibitive to do it that way. You know, to, you know, tear everything down and have it all cling on one week and then Ferengi the next. But I just kind of thought, God, you must have the matte paintings and stuff in it. I don't think it would cost that much, maybe. I don't know. And again, maybe save money from not having uh, a regular cast and just be like, okay, here, you know, come in and do an episode. I, uh, on MeTV, they're running uh, from the early 70s, uh, Police Story. And Police Story kind of operated that way, where there wasn't a central uh, actor. 
and they were all just you know kind of procedural law and order style stories but in the early 70s and again this was universal television and back when there was still enough of a studio system that they had character actors and lead actors under contract to just okay the, like for instance Nimoy after he left um, uh, Star Trek you know he did his one season of Mission Impossible and then signed a deal yep. with Universal and it's like alright this week you're the bad guy in Columbo and in two weeks we're going to make a night gallery with you you know that kind of you know where he'd do five or six different things a year I remember that he was like kind of peppered all over the place yep. afterwards in the yep. 70s yeah. yeah and that's because he had this this contract with Universal and Universal was just such a television factory that they really could just spit out these shows and everything. And Police Story was a great example of that. Again, it, the, the overarching theme was they were based on uh, Joseph Wamba, a great police uh, f- uh, fiction uh, writer and stuff, and a former cop himself, uh, his, his uh, short stories and things. And I think Star Trek is str- strong enough to have that kind of anthology show, too. I think that would be great. And, you know, Gene Roddenberry originally wanted an anthology. That was his dream. I didn't you know, realize just, that. Yeah, he... he and he, he said well, he wanted people to think of the show as an anthology, even though there's a centralized cast. So, a, you know, that that idea would be in, a, in that way very Star Trek. That's cool. And again, I point to that book, The 50 Year Mission, and especially the, the volume that is about the original series. Really interesting uh, learning about the writing for the original series episodes and that Gene really, you know, had his hands very deep in the first season didn't as much in the second and third season. I think Harlan might have mentioned that once or twice to me. <laughs> I believe it. Well, and you know, honestly, I wanted to ask you as you as you say that because I kept meaning to ask you earlier when we were talking about uh, your your guy's adaptation of Harlan's original city on the edge of forever. What you know, a, as a postscript and everything, did you ever hear back from him when it was all finally done directly? Uh, Harlan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, before, during, and after. I still talk to him today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, great guy. I mean, it, you would <laughs> scary to meet him because because of his reputation sure. and, and what I've seen, and and you know, you just you I, I, even to this day, I sometimes worry I'm going to say the wrong thing, and then Harlan will blow up. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I really like the guy, and uh, he had nothing but um, complimentary things to say about my work, which is always nice to hear because, um, and he's one of those people I like to hang out with because he gets it. Like he knows it's all about the work and everything else is sort of trivial. And not many people I know, I have a lot of friends that don't see the world the way I do in, in that sense. Um, in, in other words, they're healthy, emotionally healthy people that aren't obsessed with their work. I, you know? <laughs> I do understand. I understand. And yeah, well, you know, hey, man, that's, uh, that, that brings character to a person, I think. And it's okay. That's, you know... Uh, <laughs> And especially that you recognize it in yourself and everything. You're 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 all right, man. I, I hear what you're saying, but you know it's yeah. all right. I've you know I'm I'm at that age where you learn to be comfortable with yourself. Atta boy. You, there you, you go. You get in your forties and you, all that uh, insecurity just goes away because you just don't have time for it. You, you are a hundred percent right, man. Exactly. It's like I mean I I grew up in those eras where it's like oh you know you may not let want people to know that you're an adult and you still read comic books and really you're right when you're at your forties like you know fuck this this is who I am. I ain't got time you know, for this. You, you got, well, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you got a problem with it? Fine, let's talk. And it was so funny because in one of my radio jobs, there was a smug engineer uh, who, who got really like, oh, you know, did you get your comic books today? And he was a big Frank Zappa fan. And I'm like, well, how about your little Frank Zappa-like fantasy or, you know, fixation? And he got very defensive. I'm like, that's my point, dude. See, you're defensive about that. I go, that's what you like and that's cool. This is yeah. what I like. I go, there's room for both. 
I, I don't, sure. you know, adults understand. It's, it's all the same. I mean, it's all the yeah. same. And in fact, um, it's better to have an intellectual curiosity about something and a little bit of an obsession in your life about something because than to not have anything, you know, in, even sure. if, it's, if it's like baseball or football, you know, even if it's sports, but it's all the same thing. Of that that passion is. you see from from the, and, and I'm a baseball fan, so I know this. The, the passion you see from watching a game is the same thing as, as Wednesday afternoon at the comic book store. You bet, you know? man. Uh, or, 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 you know, collecting vinyl or Frank Zappa or what have you. It's yep. all it's all the same passion, and it's what separates us from the animals, and you embrace that. You Absolutely, know? man. No, it's an appreciation for, for something that interests you, and I think that only makes your life more, you know, easier to deal with and everything as well. well you know? that, you that'll keep that, you from going postal, man. You know? Yeah, and you take that away, and, and life is nothing about it, – it's really nothing but survival. Yes, you know, so without having something like that in your life, and then there's really no point. <laughs> it's because no. it's hard work to survive. You know, honestly, I, I'm still uh, buzzing from one of my, and I and I have conflicted uh, love for it now. Uh, but boxing and boxing has always been considered a dangerous sport, and I I worry yeah. about the findings that people have in football with uh, the CTE condition, that yeah. the finding of the brain. I, I worry and hope that uh, some fighters, when they pass, will. Be allowed, you know, their families will allow the the deceased to have an autopsy and see what kind of condition and is it yeah. the same problem that we're seeing in football? Because I mean, yeah. obviously, a helmet collision is a lot worse, believe it or not, than a blow to the, than a knockout blow to the head. And uh, I I have to admit that I really did enjoy this Saturday's uh, heavyweight fight that happened with uh, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir or Vitali or no Vladimir Klitschko. Get my Klitschko's mixed. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it, it, honestly, it was the best. It was the best heavyweight fight in at least twenty years, no lie. And also, uh, I mean, really, there were moments that reminded me of like when Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns back in the eighties had this oh, incredible right. middleweight yeah. fight. That yeah, it was just a war, and it's it was very dramatic and a great seesaw fight. And yeah, I mean, it's everything I like about boxing. And it was like God, you know, it's it really it's like an addiction where oh my God, this is the rush that you used to get. And everything, and sometimes you know you wait a long time before that rush comes back, and it truly oh, yeah. felt that way with this fight and everything. It's like, oh my god, if you forget how good boxing and dramatic boxing can be. Yeah, see, that's a beautiful thing to have stuff like that in your life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, it, it, you get it from boxing, you get it from comics, or you get it from Frank Zappa. It's all and Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, and Star Trek. Oh God, no, Star Trek. <laughs> so, as you said on uh, on uh, Go Trek Yourself, you guys have been talking about. Uh, Star Trek Discovery coming up and everything. What, uh, I, you know, I, I was a little concerned when I heard uh, Fuller was leaving the day-to-day stuff. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy for him because I think that's only going to make American Gods uh, that great of a show. That just debuted on set. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I still haven't watched it yet. But Me I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I have, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about Star Trek Discovery, but it's always, we'll see what, we'll see what we get. I, I expect good things, and and there's there are some things I need, I signed an NDA, so I, I um, understood. So I got some um, information that I can't talk about, but I will just say that I'm I'm you're right to be optimistic. It looks like it's going to be great. Cool. And uh, and and as far as um, Fuller uh, pulling out, he he's still supportive of the show, and he still set everything up for the first season before he left. Okay. So it's sort of still his you know his vision being carried out by other people. So like what I I don't know that that's gonna at least first season anyway is gonna alter it that much. Okay, all right. You know, so there, there'll be some of that magic in there. I think they haven't said it. I mean, I'm thinking you might be paying more close attention than I am. They haven't set an air date yet for that first episode. No. Okay. 
That's what that, I thought. Yeah, no. Um, I know the fall. It, it, the... Yeah, they're still kind of going, yeah, around it. I will let you know. Well, and that's fine. You know, it's, and, well, that's, that's okay. frustrating people, and rightly so. But I, I'd rather they do that and, and get it right than to throw something out there. But, you know, the longer you make people wait at the same time, the more they're going to expect. Agreed. So that could, you know. Agreed. Yeah. You know. Well, we'll see. I uh, and I imagine we'll uh, we'll touch base uh, at some point uh, for either the uh, the wrap up of this or uh, sure. or uh, you know we'll take the temperature of uh, Star Trek Discovery as it's coming out or something. But you know right. what? Maybe maybe you can come on uh, Go Trek yourself when the first episode comes out and uh, talk to us about it. It would be my pleasure. I, awesome. I like you both, Daryl, and, and you do a great job, and it would be a lot of fun. Really, even Daryl? I even like Daryl. <laughs> Daryl, Daryl, and I have great conversations, mostly off the air. But I uh, no, we've yeah. uh, we've always. Uh, you know, and even the times that we've disagreed and stuff, we've always at least had a good, you know, fair conversation about it. So, no, yeah. I, gotta, I, have, I have a lot of respect for Daryl Taylor. What's that? <laughs> I said disagreeing is more fun than agreeing. Anyways, as long as you get the right kind of people to disagree with. That's that's the beauty of podcasting. No, it's it's boring yeah. if everyone just agrees and stuff. So even and as much as we've agreed in spirit, we've had our little differences in, in this conversation. That's good. So, sure. All good, yeah, man. No, keep up. Uh, keep up the great work. Really excited. What's the what's the uh, arc? called is it shattered and it's not shattered mirror that's one of the uh, no it's mirror broken mirror broken excellent mirror broken star trek the next generation mirror broken and it uh the if you check it out on free comic book day you get uh, 12 free pages get you get your appetite whetted and then two weeks later issue one comes out and we're gonna do uh five issues of it outstanding man oh uh, can i mention one more thing uh, of course for those in the los angeles area i'll actually be doing a signing on free comic book day um, in North Hollywood on Lancashire Boulevard, a store called Blast Off Comics. Also, there will be um, uh, Dave and Scott Tipton, the Tipton brothers who are writing it. Fantastic. Um, because Scott actually owns this store. Huh. It's uh, Scott Tipton's uh, his own place. Um, and I think there could be some other guests there, uh, including Mark Wade. So if you're in the uh, Los Angeles area, come on by and uh, say hi to us. That's awesome, man. No, that's a great way to spend free comic book day. Wonderful. The name of the store again? Uh, Blast off comics. Blast it's off on Lancashire in North Hollywood. Say the say the corners again. Uh, it's it's on Lancashire in North Hollywood. Ah, I don't know what the cross street is, but um, no you know what? Blastoffcomics.com. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> you get all the information you need there. Well done, sir. Very cool. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the interiors and covers uh, for this and beyond uh, for uh, the Star Trek uh, license that IDW has from. Uh, the great J.K. Woodward, who joined us today. Thanks, man. A pleasure as always, and uh, looking forward to seeing you. Will I see you in San Diego? Uh, yes, you will. Okay. I suddenly had a reverse of uh, fortunes. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to go to San Diego, and uh, a sponsor's like, well, we want you there. Can we pay for you to be there? I'm like, yes, you can. Nice. That would be great. I know. I love when that happens. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I will, uh, I'll, I'll look for you in San Diego. Oh, Terrific. Great conversation with J.K. Woodward. Really looking forward to uh, Saturday's free comic book day and the subsequent miniseries to follow from IDW with uh, the Next Generation Adventures in the Mirror Universe. Uh, before we wrap up on Word Balloon, a couple show notes. I saw Superheroes Decoded. I saw both parts. And uh, I liked them fine. I got to be honest, um, the first two hours, how many times are we going to re rehear that same story of comics from the 30s to the modern era I'll be honest. You could have put this next to the uh, superheroes unmasked. Wasn't that what was it was called like ten years ago on History Channel? That pretty much still holds up. I, I know it was different producers and stuff, but I am getting tired of hearing the same story. That said, about the first part, the second part was great because focused on uh, Black Panther 
and Falcon and uh, so many, uh, you know, female superheroes beyond Wonder Woman. Ms. Marvel got her due and uh, Sana Amat and uh, Gail Simone, uh, a, a, a psychologist and, uh, you know, we and Nicholas Scott. We got a lot of great uh, female perspective, I think. Oh, oh God, Trina, the great Trina Robbins, for God's sakes. So really cool uh, female perspective on the history of comics. Uh, great to see Steve Englehart included. Interesting that uh, they leaned on his Captain America and Secret Empire stuff, but didn't mention his wonderful Batman uh, stuff from the 70s, uh, which I found kind of oddly, you know, absent, and his involvement with Batman. And also, the, they had a psychologist who's like, yeah, Batman was a joke until uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight. And it's like, I think uh, Steve Englehart would have something to say about that. I think Neil Adams might have something to say about that. And uh, they were there. Also, um that uh, it's so funny, the timing, the stock footage of the lost comic book documentary that I was talking about on the last episode, uh, a few uh, frames of that pop up in this uh, comic book documentary. I believe Morgan Spurlock uh, produced uh, this new History Channel thing. I found that very interesting. But I'm glad that the second part also included Deadpool, a different perspective on the X-Men and certainly the newer X-Men. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I did it. I just thought the second, the second half had a lot more to do about, uh, things that weren't touched before in comic history documentaries. But, um, I gotta be honest, I am getting tired of the same story over and over again that happened in part one. The PBF show did everything that, uh, this show did. Um, so, and it actually even more because it obviously had an extra two hours to really, you know, expand and, and talk about the differences and stuff. They got into fandom, which I thought was good in the second part as well. Modern fandom. Uh, I also like the origins of fandom that they had. Um, well, I guess it was in that second part still. I think it was in 64 they talked about that. Very cool seeing George R. R. Martin talking about comics, some of the other celebrities that they had. Um, it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I Forgive me if I sound, you know, like a little you know, spoiled or whatever. But I think after, uh, you know, now we're looking at almost 20 years of these kinds of documentaries, I kind of want to see something new. And I think there are still uh, unopened doors of comic book history to explore and and still tell the same story, but in a different way. So, you know, I'm shrugging right now. But I had to, I had to get that out. I had to get that review out. That's all for today's Word Balloon. It was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, check out all the great deals that are waiting for you now at InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your fine support. Uh, truly couldn't do it without you. And uh, if you'd like to support Word Balloon, you can go to Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. And uh, if you can spare the price of a comic book and help me out, that would be great. Um, I, As I've said before, I'm currently uh, employed in radio in a part-time capacity. It is helping. Uh, I would like to expand Word Balloon, and uh, with your help, uh, I am able to kind of, uh, you know, do the seed work to uh, spawn some uh, projects that hopefully will bring in uh, even bigger cash. Uh, shame on me for that being the ambition, but I think Word Balloon is, uh, as I've said in the last episode, I think, you know, it stacks up there with your favorite uh, comic criticism. I put that in air quotes, uh, news news websites or magazines. Uh, other podcasts, and uh, I just pr- try to provide you with entertainment and the creator's perspective on some of the issues of the day, both the ones in Mylar bags and sitting on the comic book racks, and also the debate issues as well. Um, but anyway, 
Thanks a lot for supporting Word Balloon, League of Word Balloon listeners. If you'd like to join the league, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. That's where my direct Patreon page is. Or you can go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad right there on the front page. Thanks again, League of Word Balloon listeners. Uh, questions or comments about the show, reach me via email, john at wordballoon.com. Follow me on Twitter, at John Word Balloon. Uh, Facebook, John Suntress under my name and also the Word Balloon Network. Uh, I also try to Tumble and Instagram when I think of it. And every now and then I'll put my thoughts on Tumblr and uh, certainly I'll post my episodes there and uh, Instagram as well. So uh, follow me on those platforms as well under Word Balloon. And uh, thank you for your support and your attention. Looking forward to the next episode. It's a new Bendis Tapes and it's going to be a fun one. And we uh, go uh, deep like we did with Dan Slott. But even deeper, because, uh, you know, big big subjects as well. So uh, happy to have uh, Bendis back and share that with you on the next Word Balloon. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.